The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hello, everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to The Visual Workplace. I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, about embedding our intelligence into the operational landscape, our intelligence about operations, our operational system into the living landscape of work, and we do that through visual devices. We install the language And that language represents our current level of understanding of what operations means, what excellence means, even if we're not as excellent as we know we will be in a few more months or next year. We make that concrete, we make it specific, we use visual devices, mini systems and visual networks of systems so that we can literally see our thinking in action. We can see our thinking function. We've captured it. We've embedded it. And why do we do this? We do it for the incredible bottom line benefits in terms of improved safety, better quality, more aligned delivery time, shrinking costs. We do it for the splendid cultural alignment, the spirited and engaged workforce on all levels. Although I consider the cultural alignment a byproduct of visuality, It is so closely associated with embedding language that we can almost say that it is a natural extension of visuality. And the third thing that happens is we enjoy ourselves at work. We literally go to work and we do, in the words of my friend Rick L., the dance of work. The enterprise becomes increasingly conscious, fluid, and may I say, self-aware. It becomes aware of itself because it has an embedded language, and that language is constantly, through the visual devices that hold that language, is constantly giving feedback on itself. It's wonderful. Oh, wonderful. It's splendid. So this is what we talk about, some aspect of that each week, and I've been traveling a lot. Um, This show is uh, right in the middle of those travels, but I wanted to get a, a show in that was not, that was fresh, that was new, even though we're all of us in the midst of a summer and perhaps waiting for the fall to begin a kind of new round. This year, we've spoken a great deal about visual leadership, especially on the supervisory level, and we will now face very soon the uh, leadership, the visual leadership for executives. So we have that as a uh, two of our goals for this year. 
Today, I'm going to be talking about some of the learnings that I've acquired during my recent travels. You know, I I go to these faraway places to teach, but I will tell you, I learn a lot. And I learn things that I thought I already knew or new things. And I want to share some of those with you. Uh, Let's see, I want to make just a couple of announcements. And that one of the most important ones is that Podcasts of my shows are available on our website, visualworkplace.com, where you can also download the complete menu with descriptions of every show. We're up to something like show 130. That's in podcast form. That you can download these descriptions of the shows so that you can pick and choose the ones that appeal to what you want to learn about. They are also grouped in sections. We have a section on infrastructure, on leadership, on smart, simple design, on 5S, 5S on steroids, and on the basics of visuality, the basic tenets. So we hope that you take advantage of that. Our website is visualworkplace.com, visualworkplace.com, and you'll see the link to our radio show and also to the podcast right there on the home page. You can also get them through iTunes. Uh, but they don't have the descriptions available. The descriptions are more or less embedded and not grouped together by category or titles. So I also want to mention that uh, we are doing a training of trainers this summer here in Portland, the week of August the 18th. There are a few places left. And this is, there are only 14 places. Uh, this is an intense training, four-day training for people who are interested in operator-led visuality, and uh, many of them are already um, using our webinar system, our standalone pre-recorded webinar system, but if you aren't, that is part of the package along with our video system. It's very, very, very robust package, 11 webinars for operators, five behind-the-scene webinars for pre-launch planning and preparation and troubleshooting and how to be a brilliant visual workplace trainer. And then a resource folio that's full of handouts and checklists and hit lists and forms and templates. The stuff of transformation. And this is operator-led visuality. It is the level of the eye that is on the value add level. Okay, we think it's a really, really great um, program and we're doing a training of trainers. We do usually one a year in this particular program in this particular content work that makes sense. We also have training of trainers in scoreboarding. We have it in visual leadership for executives, visual leadership for supervisors. Pokeoke, really great engineering course on Pokeoke. That is on demand. You'll see the face of that on our website. And if you're interested, um, you uh, can be in touch with us and we can make arrangements. So you can also just uh, email us at radio at visualworkplace.com Dot com if you want to make comment on this show or ask questions or um, specifically weigh in on the radio part of what we offer. So, I think those are the announcements. Let's begin our show today. I'm going to associate some uh, different things during this show. I've been in the UK for two weeks. That was in June. And then in China for another two weeks. And As I say, even though a big part of my work is to teach when I travel in these faraway places, and I love it, I learn so much as well, often much more than I expect. 
So today I'm going to share some of those learnings, and uh, some of them are new, like I discovered chocolates melt in the back seat of closed cars because I lost a really great box of chocolate. It just became uh, soup, and then it got cold, and it uh, was this very thick chocolate film uh, where there should have been little round goodies. It lost its shape completely, so I learned that lesson. Uh, (laughs) My friends and I (laughs) dug out what was left, the remains of that day, uh, with a spoon. It was still delicious, but it was unidentifiable. (laughs) So I learned that. And as I said before, I learned more completely that which I thought I already knew. So today's show is in three segments about that. And let's see if we can get them all covered within the span of our time. First, I want to revisit standard standardization standard work, and examine why this very, very good tool, approach, process so often fails. And so often fails and nobody notices. So I'm gonna, I want to talk about that. The second is I want to talk about the challenge of getting mileage out of your corporate house. You know that thing that says vision, mission, strategy, metrics, tools. I got a very, very big learning on a recent trip. I want to share that with you. We will be pursuing that in August or September when we begin our segment of executive leadership. We will be pursuing that in great detail. But nevertheless, I'd like to share the segment that I kind of relearned on this trip. And then the third, I'd like to talk about the incredible value of silence in the workplace. Not the silence that comes from fear, but the silence that comes from accessing some of the deeper parts of ourselves in the pursuit of creativity, in the pursuit of understanding, in the pursuit of alignment. Okay, so let's begin. Why do standards fail? Better said, how do standards fail? How can we call standards, seeking standardization, a failure? There is a tremendous discussion just about everywhere nowadays of the importance of standards and standardization. And in parallel, there's a move to standardize, well, just about everything. And inevitably, when I talk to people about or through the visual workplace model, what I've been talking to you about now, I'm in my my third year. When I talk about that model, especially as I emphasize the importance of I-driven, the importance of the individual, the quandary comes up about, well, what about standards? How can we have I-driven creativity or I-driven invention when standards and standardization is an unmitigated good? Shouldn't we, in fact look for uniformity as the result of our visual devices, for an example, instead of differences, uniformity instead of differences, something that is static instead of dynamic. Well, it's a really good question and one that needs to be asked, but it also needs to be answered. And it needs to be answered in a way that people understand that standardizing is not an unalloyed good, it is not an endpoint. It is not a destination. Let me talk about this some more. Managers especially 
love the idea of standardization and they jump on that bandwagon with great vigor because to the mind of a manager who must manage or cope with all kinds of variables and still make the outputs happen, standardization means uniform inputs that beget uniform outputs. So this is reliability. This is a quality doorway in the mind of a manager. And I have no argument with that part. Normality in general is a good thing to have in a workplace. But it isn't exactly the end point. It isn't exactly the purpose of standards and standardization. Uniformity as that end point. Predictability, reliability. These are all important outcomes. But we are seeing only half of the picture if we think that standardization is the only way to get there or the certain way to get there. That is not why we standardize. We do not standardize, if I can say this in this way, to make the commotion stop. We standardize to make the commotion hold still for a moment. We standardize in order to get our ducks lined up and to be able to identify the reliable parts of our process, capture them, anchor them, utilize them. But standards are there to be used. And if we think about standards and standardization as an endpoint, we will forget the dynamic process that is happening underneath. A standard is like a snapshot. This is the best that we can do right now. This is the best we've figured out how to do right now. So standardization allows us to have that platform. But what's happening in parallel, or if you will, underneath, is a process that is equally of importance, of equal importance. It's a kind of dynamic creativity where we are using the standards in order, if you will, I'm going to describe this the way I experience it, to make reality hold still for a moment so we can see where our next opportunities are. We standardize as a function of our growth or as a stop point to say, this is where we're at now. This is where the process is now. There's a lot of confusions, confusion about the words that are used around standardization in terms of their lookalikes. We use pretty much, I hear this happen at any rate, I try not to do it myself. We hear people use interchangeably standardization and standard work or standards and standardization or standard work and standard hours. Those four components or elements are actually importantly different. Standardization is a process by which, I should say, that is designed, is supposed to help us identify the good causes. Help us identify that which needs to be a reliable platform for us to stand upon. We standardize our processes. But that is not the same thing as saying, therefore, they must not change. 
Instead, we say, therefore, we can build upon it. So let's go into our first break. And when we come back, we'll build this discussion a little bit more. See you in a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi there. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome to the second part of our show today, where we are pulling together some themes that have been important to us over the past two or three years together and looking at them again in light of some of the things that I've seen and learned on my travels. We're going to be looking at three pieces. One of them is standardization, and it's kind of like why do standards fail? We're in that uh, middle right now. And then we're going to be looking at the function of the house, the corporate house or the vision mission house, the temple, and uh, where we sometimes get into a little bit of trouble. And then we're going to be looking at the importance of silence in the workplace. Silence is a positive outcome. So standards, so we're going to continue our discussion a little bit on standards. Standards are the bedrock of all work. They pave the way to repeatable, precise, and predictable outcomes. 
what manager or supervisor doesn't want to pursue standards and standardization as the starting point of control and as the end point of human error? Hmm? Exact, stable performance. So, very, very important. There's no discussion about that. But let, let's walk through an example related to the visual workplace. You have heard me say many, many times that the visual workplace is based on two parallel processes. One of them is methodology, where you're putting a methodology in place, a step-by-step methodology that converts the shop floor, if we're working in a factory, that converts the environment of a hospital, that converts the physical environment of a bank or an office or an open pit mine into predictable, visible, visual components so you can see the operational elements That's very, very important. And we follow that protocol. It's a kind of SOP. It's a kind of standard operating procedure because it will give us a known outcome. The visual wear. The visual supervisor. The visual machine. The visual quality process. Okay? But running in parallel with it and of equal importance is inventiveness, the realm of ideas, research and development, experimentation, creativity, imagination, in exact parallel. In both cases, an organization needs to learn how to, number one, implement methodology, and in parallel, trigger and utilize people's ideas, be responsible for supporting them in those ideas. Where standards happen in visuality is here. It's when we set requirements for what needs to be in place in order to achieve a minimum level of visual functionality. And standards in visuality will sound like this. There will be an arrow on every shelf pointing to the material to which the the address on the shelf applies. So you'll note, does the address apply to that which is beneath the shelf or that which is on the shelf? The standard is there will be an arrow. Here's another visual standard for visuality, or I should say, here's another standard for visuality. Every cabinet, every closed door will have a table of contents. Every closed drawer will have a table of contents on its face so that we know before we open the door or the drawer that what we're looking for is not there. That's a standard for visuality. Another standard is my favorite form of the visual wear. There will be a border and an address and if possible an ID label for everything that casts a shadow. Those are standards. And they're put into place through methodology. You put those standards in place. Addresses will be in high contrast colors, yellow background, black letters, black background, yellow letters, so that they have visibility at four feet and they don't blend into a kind of gray mush the way black and white does. These are standards. They are what need to be in place around a certain group of rules so that you get a higher level of function, more, I should say a higher level of effectiveness. But on the idea side, 
we can't we do not want to standardize creativity we want to cultivate creativity and those two words do not need to be in opposition with each other to standardize means to require a certain level of function hmm, of the what but creativity is something that people need to be able to embrace and also need to be able to learn to embrace we have to cultivate that if we put if we mix the two up and we say every shelf will look like this every cabinet will look like this every piece of the floor will look like this every machine will look like this then we're pasting on visuality and we are interrupting or actually eliminating the possibility for people to invent visual devices that actually work on a local and peculiar level. And you give up a great deal when that happens. You give up just the right visual device that will actually work for your environment. You don't want to give it up. In fact, this is the great contribution that visuality gives to the workplace, to every company. It gives exactly the right solution, only you can't predict it. It can only happen through process, through this cultivation. We cultivate people's thinking, we give them the principles of visuality, and we let them make it fit. We give them that discretion because we want to have that powerful internal state give us devices that work perfectly for our environment, for our work environment. So the idea of standardizing visuality is really a misnomer if you think what we're going to standardize is the output. No, that's going to be an ongoing process. We want it that way. And, and uh, I mentioned about Lewis and Clark. Lewis and Clark traveled 8,000 miles in two years, four months and 10 days, just about 4,000 miles each way going across the country. It took them a long time. And they had to follow a certain protocol in order to be able to camp and decamp and move along and survive. That was very important. But they also had an experience of joy and pleasure and um, uh, glorious insight as they moved through the nature itself that fed them in a way that was also part and parcel of keeping them going. And that could not be governed. That was simply something that they experienced internally and it helped them externally. So perhaps it's a bit of a stretch, perhaps, perhaps. But I'm trying to find some way for you to appreciate that creativity and the eye-driven quality of visuality is as powerful and as functional as the protocol and the standards that we cherish, that many of you cherish perhaps a little bit too much. Cherish your standards, but don't let that be the only component on your plate, the only principle of what goodness is. So I want to caution you about that. Okay? In no sense does this mean that managers are not responsible for stabilizing a process quite the contrary, but it also means that there is a tremendous, a treasure, a tremendous capability 
that will be squished if you standardize or standardize too soon. So I want to caution you about that. Okay? It is not an end in itself. The standards will provide for ourselves a platform for the discovery, which is dynamic. Now let's move to our second topic. Our second topic, which we're going to really kind of uh, uh, take apart and look at uh, in great detail, is a kind of similar feeling around a house, the house, the house of um, our mission, our vision, our strategy, our tools, like the Toyota Temple that is so uh, uh, prevalent. We see it everywhere. So I had the opportunity to work with a very established organization that is more or less more or less a public utility. And after years of top-down management that was more or less defined by volume processing, highly repetitive work, very narrow profit margins, senior leadership decided upon a change. It wasn't an easy change, but they decided they would embrace a new way. And that new way was the new excellence. They didn't call it lean or JIT. They captured it in a model. And the model was a house. Very stable, a lot of architecture. In fact, these are pillars of like a Greek temple. And these pillars represented hallmarks or landmarks of what goodness meant in a highly functioning operational system. The problem was the same this it was a problem for them the way it is for us i'm getting a signal that we need to go into a break so let's pick this up in our third segment i will see you in a moment i'll be here when you come back when it comes to business you'll find the experts here Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, Visual Edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi there, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome back. This is the third segment of our show today here at the Visual Workplace. I'm your host. I've been doing visuality for about 30, now 32 years, and my pleasure and my job has been to kind of uh, discover what visuality is, how it can help, and to play it against some of the popular themes that are happening in other parts of continuous improvement across our nation and across the world. It's been very, very interesting. Today I'm talking about, uh, it's kind of like a revisit of standards and standardization and standard work. And um, we went through that in the first two segments of the show. And I began just at the end of this, the second segment, to talk to you about the house, the temple. I just want to touch upon this because I have one or two points to make that I hope will resonate with you. I hope that you understand and that you find useful. So, so I was visiting a very large organization that had a very, very predictable a product line. It was a commodity product line, and it had a kind of captured market. Um, the world intruded by giving it competitors. That was very unexpected because this was supposed to be for the next thousand years their market and their ownership, but technology uh, jumped in and suddenly they had competitors and senior management rightly decided on a change. And it wasn't an easy change. They are in the midst of it now. And I'm going to talk about a little bit of their struggle now. They probably have another three to five years to go before they adapt their start to a better middle. They decided to embrace the new excellence and to adopt a model for that. And in this model, they had a tremendous amount of structure. It was 10 pillars, TPM, including uh, overall equipment effectiveness, quality, workplace organization, uh, uh, human error, autonomous maintenance, which was part of their TPM, etc., etc., 5S, certainly a very strong 5S. But the funny thing about it is that the real problem that the organization was having and will work its way through but may, may not quite realize it now is that they had simply substituted one ironclad view or model of itself for another. A very, this was a very tight Japanese model. The organization, this large organization, was attempting to learn and implement that new model. And it faces what we face when we want to change. The lessons that brought us to the point of needing a change are usually the most powerful in standing in the way of the change. In other words, 
we have bad habits. And those habits, those, those habits are ingrained. They stand in our way. And they are often so bad that we decide to change. And yet, what has to change is the inertia of those habits. They tend to take an upper hand. They governed our past. They'll govern our future. And therefore, they're governing our present. And, it, and so this house, which in the hands of a different organization could open doors to a lot of change, became the change itself. It became, in a way, the static measure of whether or not we were successfully becoming a different organization. It became the barrier because of the very sturdiness. And I looked at this model and, and I thought, you know, here's the thing. And it was a Japanese model, by the way. I think you recognize the components of it. The Japanese are very, very good at identifying the what for us. But they don't usually tell us about the how. We have to ask ourselves why. They tell us what needs to change. But the magic in the, po- in the potion is how do we get that change in place? And if you look at the Japanese educational system, if you've examined it at all, their education is actually all about the how. It's all about process. It is all about learning to think. It is all about discovery. And so we can say that the Japanese did not have a malintent, a bad intention in giving us such strong what's. We see it in Kobayashi's 20 Keys. We see it in the house of Toyota. We see it in a lot of the houses that are coming out of Canon, of Fujitsu, Sumitomo. Very, very strong set of uh, principles and components. But how the heck do you implement it? And I would say that one of the things we have to realize is the Japanese already have a very, very strong understanding of the how. As I mentioned before, it is what supports their culture. It is what their culture is. It's about process. The Western mindset is more or less based on achievement, getting the task done. So when we see the model, we see a map. Let's do it. Let's put that in place. But if we aren't careful in how we put it, in how we put it in place, nothing will result. We'll never get to the what. I mean, um, I was the uh, apprentice, if, I, if you will, to Shigeo Shingo, who sat in front of a machine for three months until he could see. This is not something that goes over easily in the Western workspace, even though this is how he did it, this is not what sits comfortably with us. But this is the way he began to shift his mind and be able to think about the machine differently because he watched it behave and the machine slowly revealed its secrets. And out of that came single-minute exchange of dye, came quick changeover. So the Western mindset already needs to make a shift into process orientation, process-based change, especially when faced with these 
for example, 10 pillars, 20 keys. The Japanese will pursue this. We, and I love us, I love us a great deal, will want to acquire it. It's different. In a way, excellence is like an ever-receding point on the horizon. Ever-receding. And that's part of the deliciousness of being involved in continuous improvement. But it must be taught because we don't know that automatically. Because we have a completely different set of parameters that tell us that we're doing well, that we, that we are uh, behaving according to a success paradigm. It's the difference between, if you will, a snapshot and flow. And I hope you see the parallels in what I'm talking about here related to my earlier discussion on standards. Standards becomes, in a way, an enemy of the good if it isn't seen as part of a larger process, a process of continual creativity, of continual spirit, continual engagement, continual improvement. Mm? So please think about these things. The Western mindset is very different and we need to be suspicious of it because remember, this company was defined by its own rules and just because it decided to change doesn't mean that it gave up its old habits. Mm? It was judging itself in the present based on the habits of the past. I am sure this organization will learn. I have a tremendous trust, tremendous faith in our ability to learn, but it goes much, much more slowly than anyone can ever imagine. It's one of the reasons why I'm such a proponent of doing what you've heard me say before, the A cycle, having a cycle of learning that is just for you so you can see where your own Uh, mind barriers are, the habits of your mind that are getting in the way of a successful training, for example, or successful implementation. You want something very low-key. You want something that does not, you want the opportunity to learn, fall on your face, (laughs) and take a few people down with you, but to learn, to use that as active learning, to intentionally say, I am now going to put my foot upon this path and learn as I go. You can be sure Lewis and Clark knew a great deal when they began their expedition on May the 14th, 1804. But boy, they were open to learning because they survived. They came back. They got back. September 23rd, 1806. It was a long, long journey. Two years, four months, ten days. They couldn't hold the line against what they were learning. And we must have enough feedback loops in our own system for us to be okay with the inevitable failures of the start. You know, we did two shows on this uh, as encore shows just before you're hearing um, our discussion today. It's very real. We have to give our chance, ourselves a chance to learn, to make mistakes, to recover, and to get back on the path. But the path will change as a result. It has to accommodate us. Okay, so we're going to go into our final break. And uh, when, when we come back, 
we will look at the importance of silence. See you in a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm your host at This, The Visual Workplace. We're in the fourth segment of our show today which, you know, has a title like, What Does Standards and the Lewis and Clark Expedition Share in Common? What do they have in common? (laughs) We're talking about other things, but maybe that's the sexy title. Oh, wow. So before the break, we were talking about the importance of process, of how, as we pursue the what, and of giving ourselves a break to learn, that learning, and it isn't just learning the methodology, it's learning the importance of process. Our educational system doesn't support thinking as an outcome. You know that. You've been in it. It's results as an outcome. We take the same flavor over to our workplace. We have tremendous contribution to make both to our community and to the world community. But it's a different paradigm. But the rules and regulations, <laughs> the universal principles of continuous improvement, will not bend to our will. They will not bend to our will. 
We have to learn from, they are willing, continuous improvement will teach us, but we have to go in there willing to be taught. We have to. I want to say a word also about, before we go into the silence piece, we've got a few moments left, about the importance, for example, of 5S. But, you know, I've been working in the field of 5S for 30 years. I spent the first 15 years of my career doing everything wrong and discovering what I needed to do instead. And I evolved a system that I think really helps the Western mind and the Western model. But only lately did I realize, and why I didn't see this sooner, I cannot tell you, is that 5S as presented to us by the Japanese, for example, since they're the ones who have been credited for the model, is really a maintenance platform. It is not a discovery process. It's a maintenance process. It is a way of maintaining a certain level, a certain level of order, cleanliness, predictability. It takes the noise out of the environment. My work has led me to discover the importance of asking operators to become creatively involved in how to use that environment that has less noise in it, how to make it actually creatively effective, how to create operator-led visuality. But we're taking the noise out nevertheless. And that kind of brings me uh, to the place where I want to talk to you about silence as a tremendous outcome in the environment, a silence in an environment that has been made harmonious through visuality and through a robust application of the full 5S. And that full 5S, by the way, is not the translation that you are currently that you are currently embracing. It is not about you've made it about simplification and standardization, but that is not uh, the part of 5S that is uh, its original construct. But I congratulate you for m- making it work, but I'm wondering if it's really a vital part of your um, improvement efforts, of your continuous improvement. So the silence that is uh, the byproduct of a harmonious workplace is not a silence that is constructed on the fear principle where one is silent and therefore less likely to draw the fire, where one is silent and therefore safe. I'm talking about a different kind of silence. I'm talking about a kind of stillness. The same kind of stillness that you may experience if you're a ballroom dancer when you're ballroom dancing. If When you're ballroom dancing, you're executing a group of standard steps, highly standardized, but you're doing it with a creativity that is really called forth. When you're ballroom dancing, when you get to a certain level, there is a level of silence within you, a still point where the movement and you become one, but it is a powerful moment of alignment. The silence is functional. And what I want to present to you is something I'm sure many of you have already discovered, that silence at work can be functional, can be used as a lever to discover, to learn, to find, to comprehend more subtle aspects of our work. 
We can call it creativity, but if we do, we sometimes paint it with a brush that's a little bit too familiar, and we forget that creativity is uh, actually stimulated and stimulated in silence. It isn't a loud brainstorming session. If you've been around highly skilled employees, machinists, welders, assemblers on the value-add level, you will see that they're wielding their skill as a kind of dance in that kind of silence that is at the center of them, that still point. It feels like confidence, but it is actually the place, what I've observed, that they go to to find their strength and to find the excitement of discovery. It isn't like sleepwalking. It's they're discovering, these highly skilled, masterful employees, they're discovering something that is of interest to them. And it's one of the reasons why it is so important to teach people a set of principles that have long life. This is what I love about visuality and the way that my, my own work is evolving, that these principles, store things, not air, squeeze out the air, or on the executive level, how to say yes to the few and wait to the many, these principles can powerfully change the quality of our work and our, the level of our contribution. But they are thoughtful principles and they're principles that engage the mind and the heart and open possibilities that are difficult to see without principles used as a lever and I want to encourage you this is a little bit different than the kind of principle-based model that the Shingo Prize has um, recently supported I love the work that the Shingo Prize is doing in principles but I'm talking about robust principles that are thinking principles and behavioral principles that hold a tremendous promise to us so I want you to think about these things I want you to think about these things and think about your own work be kind to yourself of course give yourself a break all of you are making a fantastic contribution you may not see the fruits yet or you may not see the fruits that are coming but you continue with a open heart and an open mind you continue to work in this way you have to take the blows when they come you have to find the strength to get feedback that is sometimes deserved but sometimes undeserved you have to work with the humans because you're human as well but you've got a great contribution to make and I want to encourage you to be thoughtful about it so I had a wonderful time with you today, as usual, and I see now from our, our technician, Michael, that it's time to go, and I want to tell you that uh, I look forward to the next time talking with you again and to share, sharing my work with your work and see what happens when the two come together. Thank you very much. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.